And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Well, hello, and it's great to be with you again on the Mentors Radio Show. I'm Rick Brudico, your host for this week's show. I'm glad you joined us. Hope you'll get as much out of these shows as I do. As I look back over the months that I've been doing these shows, I find that I've always come away with a few nuggets. Some I've heard about, others are new to me. I often find myself saying, gosh, I wish I had known that during my almost 50 years in business. I mention this because I encourage you to listen carefully and have a notepad to write down some of the thoughts that, you'll hear, that you're here today that appeal to you. I guarantee there will be something beneficial, so stay with us for the entire show. I call today's show Growing in Succession in the Family Company. You will hear how a young kid went out with his father surveying and realized that this would be his life's work. In over 40 years, along with his father, the firm grew to one of the top engineering firms in the U.S. But a bit about the show before we start. Remember, our objective is to challenge you. Yes, to challenge your thinking about life and about work. I try to select guests who are accomplished people with years of experience in the business world and in life. You will hear wisdom from my guests today. I absolutely assure that. My personal definition of wisdom, of those of you who listen know, is knowledge modified by experience through time. Nothing for me teaches as well as experience. Today's show should inspire you to believe you can do great things for society and at the same time, because of our unique capitalistic system, build a very good business. You will hear challenges, how a small family firm grew to a large engineering services company spread over multiple states, the plan, the diversification, and yes, the growth. Oh, there were problems, but our guest will tell you a unique unique philosophy he learned very early. When you have a problem, ask your competitor. Now, there's one you probably hadn't thought of before. And then there's the family succession for a $100 million company. It's always an issue in every privately held business I've ever known about. And that familiar story also, hard work and persistence leads the way. So listen for the pearls of wisdom that can only come from the experiences of those who have walked the road before us. Business, and especially life, are all about managing risk. And today's guest has a fascinating story to tell. Stay with us, but before we get started, just a couple of reminders. We get calls, we get emails with comments and questions, so don't be the silent listener out there. Call us. 24 hours a day at 844-610-TALK. That's 844-610-8255. Or email us through our website by going to thementorsradio.com, thementorsradio.com, where you will also find show notes, archives of podcasts, and links to our sponsors. Oh, speaking of those sponsors, I want to again welcome a new sponsor to my show, MyPillow. I can tell you that I like MyPillow. However, I can tell you my wife loves hers. So we, can, uh, we have a special offer for you, which you can get by calling 800-890-6632 or by going to MyPillow.com. In either case, use the promo word MENTORS, M-E-N-T-O-R-S. And remember to give us a call, 844-610-TALK, anytime, 24-7. Our producer listens to all the recorded calls and, as time permits, selects calls to be played on the air. But now let me tell you about today's mentor guest, Tim Somas. Mr. Somas is Chairman Emeritus of Somas, a leading engineering services firm headquartered in Los Angeles, focused on water resources, transportation, energy, institutional, and municipal markets in the western United States. He joined his father's 12-person firm as a designer right out of college and led that growth diversification to over 500 staff members in three states. Tim serves on the board of directors of private companies, including engineering, construction, technology startup, and professional service firms nationally. He is most familiar with issues including growth, CEO, C-level succession, mergers and acquisitions, governance, and executive compensation planning and administration. 
Tim is past national chairman of the American Council of Engineering Companies and was a founder of the national chairman of the Institute for Sustainable Infrastructure. He is past chairman of the Coalition for Project Delivery and the Center for the Study of Los Angeles. Tim is a YPO graduate, a member of World's President Organization, and a former board member of Chief Executives Organization, or simply CEO. His professional affiliates include American Council of Engineering Companies, American Society of Civil Engineers, American Public Works Association, and American Academy of Environmental Engineers. His community service is focused on higher education as a trustee of Loyola Marymount University, which is also his alma mater, where his board committee and service has included audit, development, facilities, capital campaign, and Catholic mission and identity. He is also chairman of Project Restore, a private partnership with the city of Los Angeles to restore and preserve municipal buildings and to facilitate the rebirth of downtown Los Angeles. So like many of our guests, he has accomplished a lot in his business, but has also given back to his profession and to the community. So let's get with it. Hello, Tim. Hi, Rick. How are you today? I'm good, Tim, but boy, that long bio, we've got very few minutes left to get started in this first segment, but let's give it a shot anyway. So, Tim, I know we've talked about this many times, and uh, especially as we're getting ready for this interview, and I'm, I'm kind of interested in how and, how and when did your father start this uh, company? Well, my father uh, went was, was in the Army uh, in the Second World War, and when he returned, uh, he, he decided that he wanted to take advantage of the boom of housing uh, in Southern California. And so he started a surveying company when I was about five years old. And so I, uh, I saw the company start, and uh, it, was the, it was the dinner table conversation and uh, an influence in my life uh, from an early age. Well, I know that you, uh, I recall well those days when the booming uh, housing was taking place in Southern California, and obviously he picked a great market, but I know you also uh, changed that market into a whole different kind of a company, but we'll get to that after the break. I would appreciate it, though, if you would tell me, how old were you when you made your decision to join your father's company, or at least to take on this career? Well, that was a, a, a story that really uh, uh, is, it begins with uh, my uh, when I was young in grammar school. I was five years old when the company started, but uh, when I was in grammar school, my father would occasionally have to go out and do a rush project uh, on a Saturday, and my mother, you know, would say, "Well, uh, take Tim with you. You know, don't leave him sitting around the house here." And so I was. I had the great opportunity of going out uh, on a survey project, and my dad would be working with uh, the other fellows, and uh, I would just run around and have a good time out in the field. And uh, I knew immediately this was what I wanted to do. If people get paid for this, it was great. So I, I really, uh, I decided at a very early age, with really no foundation other than uh, knowing that my dad did it and made a living on it, and so it looked like a pretty good deal. Well, Tim, let's, we're we're coming up to break, as I promised we would right after that long intro. But I, I I remember you also said that maybe it was just your mother wanting to get you out of the house. So maybe we can pick that up right after the break and take it from there. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. 
Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. Hopeinacan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, and I'm Rick Brutico, your host for today. My guest is Tim Somas, Chairman Emeritus of Somas Engineering. He's got a great and interesting story to tell us. So when you're thinking about this after the show and looked at your notes, you may want to listen to some of this stuff again. And I encourage you to go to TheMentorsRadio.com. And there you can listen to the podcasts of any of the archive shows that are uh, that we've done over the over the year or so that we've been on the air. So Tim, welcome back, and thanks for being with me today. And you were just telling the um, audience that uh, you ran around out playing at five years old and decided you were going to run a major engineering company. Uh, and I said to you, maybe it was just that your mother wanted to get you out of the house, so maybe you were responding to the wrong stimulus. What do you think? Well, it was fortunate for me that she did want me out of the house because it encouraged <laughs> me to, uh, you know, to to think about uh, growing up and and working and doing those things. And so uh, it led me to choosing civil engineering as my uh, require my my profession and what I wanted to study in school. So I did, and I was very fortunate again to be able to work uh, part time while I was going to school. So I had the advantage that many many kids today don't, which is uh, you know, the practical experience of working and uh, combining that with what I was learning in a classroom. So it was really a, a terrific uh, opportunity for me personally. You had and, kind of your uh, own intern program then, Tim, and it sounds like. I had that, absolutely. And it was the best. Uh, it really, for me, it framed uh, the kind of education that I think would be terrific if more schools could uh, find a way to do this uh, as a regular uh, program. Boy, do I agree with you about that. That, that That's exactly where we got to go. This stuff sitting in the classroom all day without the practical experience doesn't get you anywhere. Or I shouldn't say it doesn't get you anywhere, but it's a lot more difficult than when you actually can put stuff to work. But go ahead. I, I, let's hear more about your intern program. So my intern program, as I mentioned, uh, was really, uh, you know, started in grammar school. Uh, I said my eighth grade, I, I was out uh, again doing uh, helping on survey crews. Um, I, I think I was helping. Uh, but anyway, I was I was I was out of the house, and uh, as I worked through high school uh, again on the survey end of it, but then as I, when I went to college and started studying engineering, I began to uh, do work uh, uh, some of the engineering work and office work that was uh, involved. So again, a ter- terrific opportunity to combine the academic with the with the practical. Did and, did you uh, actually get I, out? Did you out, get out and meeting customers and things in those days, or or what was it you were doing while you were in school? In those days, it was really uh, focused on design and uh, computations of work and drawings and and doing the things that were involved with production of uh, of work. So I didn't really have interaction with a lot of clients. It was mostly just uh, you know working uh, with the uh, other employees in the company and getting work done. And uh, it wasn't until actually until I until I graduated uh, from college and began working full time. I went directly from college uh, to my, to my dad's firm, and uh, part of that uh, process, uh, we would you know go to work and I'd put in a day's work and get ready to go home. And my dad would say, well, "Wait a minute, we're we're not going home yet. We we got something to do. We're going to go to a, a dinner meeting. We're going to go to a." professional meeting and we're going to meet uh, with other engineers and people that are in this business. And what a blessing that was because um, my dad, of course, knew all of our competitors and and, uh, uh, people that were 
that we were basically uh, working with every day. And, and uh, so it was a great opportunity for me to have uh, some additional mentors because my dad was certainly a great mentor, but it also provided me an opportunity to call these uh, fellows that were uh, our competitors. And, and if I had a problem and they were running a, a large firm and I was thinking about a business issue that I couldn't quite get my arms around, I, I could call them and discuss it with them. And they were more than happy to share with me kind of a, what what I was experiencing, what I was trying to understand. And it was just a wonderful opportunity and something that I think a lot of young um, professionals don't take advantage of properly is uh, is asking for help. Uh, you know, there's a, it's amazing um, how generous people are, uh, but you have to ask. Well, and, and I think you're, the uniqueness of what you're telling me, and I can tell you, uh, having a similar background to you, but not civil engineering, electrical engineering, but I would have never thought of asking my competitor. I would have thought certainly that anything I asked them would lead them to be competing against me, and I would probably lose the deal. So uh, I did ask help for a lot of other people and mentors, but that's very unique, and it's certainly one of the pearls that I'm taking away from this uh, this meeting or this interview because, um, you know, what what caused you to say I can walk up to a competitor and say, gee, I'm bidding a job, and you might be bidding it against me, but you know what? Here, What am I doing wrong? What What caused that to happen? Um, it was, wasn't really, you know, that kind of a discussion. It was more about, uh, uh, you know, uh, setting up a business model for how, how, do, how do I, you know, how do I make this thing work and how do you go about, uh, you know, setting prices. Again, this was, this was a long time ago and it was, uh, and I, I didn't have the advantage of going to business school. I went directly from engineering school to, you know, trying to understand after I did my technical work and my career advanced, uh, you know, uh, wanting to understand the business aspects of it. And so, uh, again, uh, I found them, you know, it, not in a competitive spirit, but in a in the spirit of, you know, sharing information and education uh, along business lines. Very generous. Well, I think that I think that's absolutely amazing and, and extremely creative because, after all, people helping you set up your business also could be helping you become a competitor against them. But I remember you also told me once that you didn't look at it as like you were uh, bidding a job. You looked at it like you were competing for work. Uh, how does that fit into that if, if, if you were talking to some of your competitors about uh, how your, your company set up? Well, um you know, actually, I think one of the important things, and again, uh, in a service business, uh, the the thing that we always uh, kept uh, front and center in our minds was that we really have a people business, and uh, that as we go after work and we, you know, we we uh, we serve our customers and our clients, uh, it's it's our people that do that, and uh, so we are we we believe that we're really in the business of developing our people. And that if we did a good job of developing our people, they would take care of our clients and do a good job of, of, of taking care of our clients. And so uh, it was really a, a virtuous circle of uh, you know, paying attention and taking care and training our and developing our people so that they could uh, carry on the tr- tradition of client service. Well, we're getting close to a break again. Now we've got another minute left. But uh, I do want to really get into the people uh, and your view on people in the next segment. But I am curious about one thing. At some point, you must have decided to diversify from a surveying company to a full-service engineering company. And certainly with the multitude of disciplines that you're in today that, of course, are quite timely. Can you kind of tell me what caused you to make that that plan to, to expand the company in a completely different area and to diversify? Sure. You know, the... Um the motivating factor was really uh, cycles in the market, and and again, being anything, the the construction industry is a very cyclical business. Um, typically, uh, builders and developers overbuild, and then they stop everything, and then they gear it back up again. So, uh, having gone through cycles, uh, our interest was in finding um, uh, counter cycle uh, opportunities and ways to keep our valuable uh, employee base because we didn't we had, we had invested heavily in developing our people and we certainly didn't want to lose them when there wasn't uh, work to be done so we wanted to diversify the kinds of work we were doing so that we could uh, again maintain um, a, a more more constant uh, uh, employee base 
And is that kind of when you decided also to do a lot of uh, more public works from the pure private stuff that you started Exactly. As? Exactly. Yeah. We felt we had the skills. We we knew how to do uh, the, the basic engineering, but there was a client base, uh, essentially the public sector, who uh, also needed the similar kind of work, but they wanted it uh, served up a little differently. Um, they had their own um, particular needs that we had to understand and uh uh, kind of tailor our services to what their needs were. Well, that sounds amazingly uh, creative of you because, as I can tell you or tell my listeners, how could you be in a better area than environmental and balance of things? And I'm going to get into that in the next in the next segment, but uh, stick with me because I want to talk to Tim about what he thinks about people and how they develop their people. I think it's a, a uniqueness that I have not heard before. So stay with us. You're listening to The Mentors and my guest, Tim Somas. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal. Focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. This is a church, a church that might be like yours, with beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willethauser Architectural Glass. Willethauser did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. Then their craftsmen, with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience, brought the church's stained glass windows back to life. Willethauser.com. Attention salespeople. Are you struggling trying to make sales on a daily basis so you can earn more money and enjoy a better lifestyle? Are you sick and tired of prospects telling you they want to think about it and not being able to pay your bills? End all that now by going to www.ministosales.com and sign up for my free webinar. Hello, I'm Jeff Motter and I regularly hear from salespeople and business owners who are struggling to get more sales because they don't know how to sell in a clear and convincing way. And that was me when I started out in sales more than 35 years ago. I knew I had a great product that made people's lives better, but for some reason, I just didn't know how to tell people about it in a clear and convincing way. I couldn't even close the door, so to speak. But all that changed when I cracked the code. Since then, I've helped hundreds of people to understand the process and be able to sell at will. If you'd like to start making more sales immediately, sign up for my free webinar at www.minutestosales.com where you can experience for yourself my simple, amazing process and see how it instantly improves your sales ability. Go to www.minutestosales.com today and sign up for my free webinar. Talk to you soon. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors. I'm Rick Brudico, your host for this week's show. And remember to check us out at www.thementorsradio.com. This week, we're speaking with Tim Somas, Chairman Emeritus of one of the most respected engineering services firms in the country. It was started by his father as a surveying company, and when Tim joined, they had 12 people. Now, about 500 people in 14 offices around the western U.S. So, Tim, one of the things that's intrigued me, and a part of this I've got from your, your website, and I kind of want to dig into this this way, is your, your uh, 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 kind of passion for developing people. You touched on it in the last segment about you've invested a lot of money in your people and how people is what make you, are, are what make you competitive. 
But what I'm specifically interested in is, and I'll read it for the audience, your website says that we, our unique approach begins with deep understanding of the client's business. How so? Doesn't everybody want to understand the client's business? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's really, uh, I think, the key to a successful business is really understanding what the client's business issues are, what their problems are beyond what your individual contribution to their success, but uh, understanding what they're trying to accomplish and how you fit into that, uh, that whole uh, uh, delivery system is really critical. So this is what makes it, for instance, in the uh, engineering services business, makes a dif- difference, obviously, in what uh, you deliver to a public sector client versus a developer or a institutional kind of client. Uh, and so understanding what they're trying to accomplish is uh, essential to uh, to delivering your skill set. Yeah, and I, and I think, uh, you know, you talked about in the beginning when you talked about your father being a, a mentor to you and I guess teaching you the way to both uh, do the skills and develop the company. But you also uh, kind of mentioned, I think on the website, I think I read it, something about you have mentorship programs ongoing within the company. Is, is that so? We do. And uh, it's something that we find um, so important uh, because a lot of people, again, uh, in a technical setting, uh, they don't have uh, skills at people management, people development. And so we feel that uh, it's, it's critical for them to learn how to, uh, how to supervise, how to, how to, how to uh, uh, incentivize their, their staff, uh, how to develop their staff, how to recognize opportunities for development. Um, it's just so important. It's, it's important, number one, to hire smart people, but it's, it's also important, and we tell them that you, you have to delegate the fun stuff. Um, a lot of people, you know, keep the fun stuff for themselves and, and delegate the boring, tedious work. Well, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't really uh, develop your people very well. So, um, again, delegating the fun is uh, an important part of deciding that you're going to be a manager instead of a doer. You know, that's so true. Uh, it's almost like an OJT, on-the-job training program. I, I relate back to my time in the service, and um, one thing I think that the military does spectacularly well is train you on the job. They give you the responsibility, they train you, but they usually put you with somebody who's more senior or more seasoned, at least, and has been there and can help you through the process. It sounds something similar goes on at SOMAS. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it is very much uh, you know most training is one on one and it's the relationship between the supervisor and the uh, and the employee that really makes it a good experience or a not so good experience and so that's uh, it's an important relationship that we try to uh, uh, make sure that it's working for people internally here. So so you you looked at the job I I would you know I'm concluding let's say I'm not sure that this is how you feel about it but it looks like the job is really essentially about developing and training the people. You're counting on the fact that they're going to have the skills to do what needs to be done, but that uh, developing, training the people, showing them how to take care of clients, that kind of thing, seems to me to be the uniqueness, that pearl that sits in the SOMAS company. Yes, that's absolutely the, that is the uh, essence of, of our success, I believe, has been uh, that people focus. It says it. It said also on your website another uh, another quote that I really like. Uh, I think more companies should think uh, think like this. It says our culture of open communication and mentorship not only produces better project, it also translates into a great working environment. Now I guess we can all include consu- assume why that's the case, but maybe you can just give us a few words of why that works and why does it make a better working environment. In some cases, it looks like you got somebody looking over your shoulder all the time. Right. Well, you know, my experience, Rick, was that uh, watching uh, people work uh, in a team where they really like to be there, really like the people they're working with, that team was uh, 25, 30% more productive than people that uh, are, you know, uh, put together that really don't care for each other, don't, uh, you know, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't work well together. They're not a team. They're, they're, they're thrown together to get something to something done, but but they're not functioning as a team, and they're not uh, covering each other. Uh, the output and the productivity of people that are you know really working as a team 
uh, and, and having fun uh, is so much, so much better. And it's so much more fun to, to, to be in that environment. So it's really, uh, uh, I think, the key to success in, in every endeavor is really uh, having fun and setting the job of the managers to set up an environment where people can have fun and they're doing what they want to do. They're contributing what they, what they are capable of doing. They're not uh, over their heads. They're not uh, asked to do something they, they can't do. Um, these are all, I think, important parts of uh, delivering the very best uh, that we can. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm going to talk directly to the listeners now and say, you know, this is this is a strong theory of mine, and you hear it again and again by these people that I interview. They're, the, the, the key really is to build an environment where people can get things done. And, you know, think about it yourself. Why would you want to be in an unhappy environment? Why do you want to be in a situation where there's nothing but difficulties all the time? We need an environment that is one that's conducive to thinking, to structuring, and to working, but also an environment that involves joy. And I kind of want to jump to that for a second, Tim, and ask you that question. You've used the word fun two or three times, and maybe you could just give us some idea. Why do you say fun? What is is the fun you're referring to? I mean, we're not sitting around and playing canasta or something. What is that fun? So I I think it's a lot about... um uh, appreciating and having a, uh, a sense that you're contributing to something bigger than just uh, you know taking a paycheck home. Um, when you when you have a sense that you are making a contribution to society um, and whatever that is, every everything that we do uh, has a, a bigger picture. It's in a micro uh, macrocosm. You can you can take a look at what what we're doing and you can say. Boy, I'm I'm helping make a better environment and uh, making the world uh, more sustainable, or doing something like that, and and reminding people that that's what they're doing uh, sets the tone for doing serious things and having serious uh, results from what your what your contribution is. That is the kind of joy I'm talking about, and it's not it's not about you know uh, jokes uh, across the aisle. It's it's that kind of personal satisfaction and joy that you are making a significant contribution and something you can be proud of uh, as, as you're, uh, only you can do. Well, that's tr- so true. And I, and I bet part of it is also that you get to see things happen. In other words, a lot of companies, you got people working, engineering companies especially, you got people working in a big bullpen somewhere behind a screen. Uh, I, I applaud you for that. It's, it's, a, it's a great concept. People have to get the satisfaction of being able to cross things off their list and know they did a good job. So with that, we're coming up to another break. Uh, stick with me. And before we're, we're done today, we're going to have Tim talk to us about employee stock ownership plans. Stick with us. I'm with Tim Somas. It's Rick Brudico on the Mentors.com radio show. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. 
Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors. I'm Rick Brudico, the host for this week's show. I'm with Tim Somas, Chairman Emeritus of Somas Engineering Services Company, one of the most respected firms in the country. Tim, before you left, we were, before we left for break, we were talking about the people, and, and I just can't applaud you enough for the great concept and the great culture that you're advocating, and I know you've built at Somas Engineering. But one of the other things that a lot of people, especially in today's environment, don't hear about and don't uh, you know, know a lot about is uh, an employee stock ownership plan, ESOP, or Employee Stock Ownership Trust, ESOT. Um, I'm interested in that for a number of reasons. It, it d- talks to succession and it talks to uh, a way for the employees to participate. But I want to kind of follow up on the people aspect of it. So uh, maybe you can explain to the to the listeners why you selected an ESOP and why and how it benefits the employees and why maybe it makes them feel part of the team. So what do you what do you say about that? Uh, we, you know, ESOP is a, a terrific vehicle for uh, ownership transition. And um, uh, one of our, again, because because we're people-focused, uh, one of our important uh, uh, programs and, and kind of long-term objectives is leadership transition, leadership succession. So always uh, having people in a pipeline that is uh, a good leadership uh, pipeline and, and leadership succession planning is, is really important for our firm. So to reward and recognize that kind of leadership uh, succession, people stepping up and taking more responsibility, we feel that it's important, we felt it, that it was important to have an ownership succession as well. And so inviting people to participate in ownership is uh, part of that process. And so uh, ESOP is one uh, one vehicle to do that. And instead of uh, handing out or, or, or selling a uh, uh, small portions, small percentages of, of shares to specific individuals. An ESOP is essentially uh, uh, providing uh, an opportunity for ownership to all the employees. Uh, the ownership is held actually in a trust, but it's individually allocated to each employee who is uh, participating in the, in the, in the trust uh, so that they participate each year, they get uh, a little bit of stock depending on, uh, it's basically scaled to their compensation level, but uh, each employee participates in ownership. And um, if, if you have a company where you have a tradition of open book uh, management, where you invite and, uh, and educate your employees to understand the financial, how, how, how a company works financially and you know, what, what results in making a profit, an ESOP is an ideal uh, vehicle to to engage them and show them the benefits, so they can participate in the benefits of uh, doing things that make a company financially successful and increase the value of the company. So it's this uh, it's it's a, the opportunity here to remind people and and reward them for for helping to make the company uh, uh, increasingly valuable over time. Well, and and I think that's fantastic. And you also inherit a whole bunch of other people who happen to be employees as well, who are shareholders, and they want to see you make a profit. So that encourages them to look at the cost structure better, look at the pricing structure better, and to do actually a more efficient job so that if the customer is satisfied and they make, you know, they make more themselves. Uh, I, I think that can't be hidden from the value of making every employee, and uh, and I'm right about this, aren't I? Every employee is an owner after a certain probably grace time, but every employee is an owner in some way, right? Yes, they are. That's exactly the point. And so um, it doesn't happen automatically. It's, uh, you, you, have to, you have to remind people and educate them about how it works. Uh, so it, it does require, um, you know, extra attention to, uh, by the management team to make sure that people understand that uh, it, it's in their best interest to, you know, to find ways to do things more efficiently, more effectively, 
uh, and to add value to the company. And so giving them the tools uh, gets everybody on the same team. Everybody is focused on, you know, everybody wins uh, in this game. It's so true, and and, and uh, I I think I've told you this, Tim, but for my listeners, I've been involved with three different companies that all have ESOPs, and I would say two of them very successful. One was a nightmare. It can be a nightmare, but when the people are the center, when the people are the center, that's when they're successful. And so you, so the listeners know, we, you know, on an ESOP, every Every employee gets uh, some amount of compensation, so to speak, in the form of, of ownership in the company, but it repeats itself over and over and over again. So this leads me to a question for you, Tim. I would think that it would be very helpful in your mission to find the right people, develop them, but most importantly, hold the best ones. Right. It, it, is, a, it is a significant retention uh, tool. Um, it, it uh, people understand and they and they do appreciate it. This is, I think, particularly true in the services industries. Uh, we find a lot of people in services industries that have this form of ownership. Uh, and by, I'm, I'm speaking of uh, um, uh, architecture, engineering, accounting, uh, all the uh, the services. Uh, it, it is a form of ownership that is uh, quite popular. Well, and, and I again, going back to your the comment, which is why I wanted to follow this after we talked to the people, it seems that SOMAS is focused on people and focused on how to take care of the people. Essentially, your employees participate, so as the value of the company grows, their ownership grows, and, and it causes people to want to stay, it sounds like, and it's a way that you keep the asset. In other words, and we'll talk about that in a second, but in other companies, when the, the president, the founder, leaves for whatever reason or sells the company for whatever reason, it can g- greatly impact the, uh, the employees. But if, you're, uh, if the employees slowly but surely become owners of the company, then it's much less likely that the, the asset, the company that is, is going to go away. Would you agree that's true, Tim? Yes, absolutely. In fact, my experience uh, in serving as a board member in other um, small private companies like SOMAS, uh, my experience is that uh, many firms do have this form of ownership that I, I, have, I have worked with, uh, and that uh, the, the benefit is that you, you always have a buyer. Uh, a lot of firms have financial troubles when they, uh, they, they, they don't take care of the need ultimately for a succession plan for a change of ownership. With an ESOP, you always have a buyer. The, the ESOP is always, you know, uh, uh, changing the ownership of the firm and always, uh, always uh, distributing ownership to new, new employees, uh, creating more, uh, more uh, equity in the firm uh, to distribute. So, uh, it's a terrific uh, vehicle um, that takes care of one of the major issues in privately held companies today. So, Tim, and just again, we only have about a minute left, but maybe in this segment, but you, could you just quickly tell the uh, the audience? So, how does this help you? I mean, you, I know that you don't own any sh- more shares in in Somas, but yet it helped you transition out. Maybe you could explain how it works as an exit vehicle as opposed to an IPO or some other vehicle. Sure. So as an exit vehicle, uh, it's, it's basically an opportunity. Uh, in our particular case, it was a bank-financed uh, transition. And so uh, essentially the company uh, borrowed some money to uh, fund the ESOP to pay me. Um, and so, uh, so I, I received the payment tax, uh, basically tax-deferred. So I was able to uh, take that money and invest it in other American securities thereby defer my uh, tax liability for that uh, capital gain. And, uh, and the employees uh, benefited from this transaction in a pre-tax uh, form, so they could take every dollar and put it back into the company as opposed to having to buy uh, shares uh, after tax. Well, thank you, Tim. Let's hold it right there. We're breaking up to, going up to the break again. We'll pick it up on the ESOP when we come back after the break. Stick with us. We're de- talking with Tim Somas, chairman of Somas Engineering. I had like memory foams, I had feather pillows, and I'd always wake up with neck pain. After sleeping on my pillow, I didn't wake up with the headaches, I was more aligned. I didn't realize the connection between the pillow and sleep. When I switched to my pillow, I got a better night's sleep, and I love it. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and it holds that support all night long to take the pressure off your shoulders and keep your neck aligned so you get the best night's sleep of your life. MyPillow is machine washable and dryable and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an amazing 10-year warranty. Plus, every MyPillow is made in the USA. I personally guarantee that MyPillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632 and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. HopeInACan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back again. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. I'm Rick Brutico, and uh, my guest is Tim Somas, Chairman Emeritus of Somas Engineering. We were talking about the ESOP and, and how it is very helpful in succession planning, but more importantly in transferring ownership to the very people that helped you build the company, and that is the employees. So as we kind of wrap up this subject, Tim, I just want to uh, go back all the way to the beginning when we talked about people. And you talked about building the people and how the best people stick with you and all that. Doesn't this mean in order to, in order to get an ESOT so that you can sell it to the company, it means that you had to build a great team who can succeed you, not only because the company's got enough money to buy you out, but also you've got to be confident that the guys that take over uh, have the uh, skill sets to continue doing the job that's being done all these years. Uh, am I right about that? Well, that's right, Rick. Uh, it's absolutely true. And regardless of uh, what what uh, what strategy uh, a seller might have for selling a company there's nothing to sell unless you have developed your people to to, to provide that next uh, next group of leaders so uh, having a uh, a strong leadership team is absolutely essential uh, but even more so with an ESOP because people uh, now they now they own now they own the, they own the whole thing and so so it's uh, it's important that they understand uh, uh, how to take care of themselves and do the best thing for the company. Well, that's right, and it's important that the company recognize that that's why the mission of developing them is so important. Um, and the the for again for the listeners' point of view, Tim mentioned that the the company went to the bank and got a loan so that they could buy him out essentially, buy out his shares out of the ESOT. 
But remember, that means that the company had to be doing well enough such that the bank would give you the loan. It doesn't just smile and give you a loan. It has to have the financials to support that. So once again, the, you, have to, you have to get the right people. You have to train them. You have to build the atmosphere for them to be successful. And I think that's that's the, the message for, for me that I'm taking away from the Somas company. But with that, Tim, I want to switch to one thing. We only got about a minute and a half or so left in this segment. Uh, I'm interested in things that you find uh, that you would like to pass on. If you had, you know, just a minute or two to say, these are things that I would I would tell you or things I would tell you not to do. Um, I think our re- listeners would be pleased to hear that. Sure. Uh, well, it has to start with the people. And uh, again, uh, selecting and developing uh, good people, putting the right people in the right slot um, and making those decisions, making even the hard decisions when somebody doesn't fit feeling good about uh, giving them an opportunity to find the right slot is important. But, you know, you've you got to make those decisions, and they're, and they're difficult. Uh, number two is uh, growth. Uh, growth is critical to every company. Uh, you, you can't provide opportunities for bright people, for people that are high energy, without growing. And so you, you, the job of the leader is to find uh, good opportunities to expand and to grow and to challenge people. And that's uh, just an essential part of running a business. And finally, um, making decisions and and growth plans that uh, aren't overstepping. Um, You know, I I certainly have made mistakes of uh, trying to uh, uh, grow in areas that aren't immediately adjacent, and and it confuses the market. The market doesn't. If the market doesn't expect you to do to have a skill set, it doesn't matter if you do or don't. If they don't think you do, it doesn't do you any good. So, uh, uh, growing concentrically from the center um, is always a good strategy. That that's great, Tim, and I thank you very very much. So we are running out of time. So thank you for joining me today. I appreciate all the information you provided. Um, I want to remind the listeners that you've been listening to the Mentors Radio Show, and I'm your host, and we've been talking with Tim Somas. Uh, Some great pearls of wisdom today. Just remember, if if one I would pick out, it's the people, and then it's the people, and then it's the people. And if you hire them right, train them right, etc., you're going to be successful. So I have to sign off for this edition of the Mentors and remind you that remember, every day in every way, do your part to make our world a little bit better. Hope you listen to us again next time. Thanks for listening. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.